The Sunday Grill on Beat. We're in the month of February, which means only one thing. It's Valentine's Day, not long around the corner this coming Wednesday. To mark Valentine's Day on the show this morning, we're not looking at love and roses and chocolates and dates. We're going to turn our attention to something a little bit different and it's heartbreak for those maybe healing through the process. An award-winning relationship coach to the stars joins me on the line now, known for her profound insights into love, loss and personal growth. Shelley J. Whitehead. Head, you're very welcome along to the Sunday Grill. Oh, it's so lovely to be with you. Shelley, tell us, uh, where did the inspiration come from when it came to the new book, Healing Your Heartbreak, 28 Days to Transformation? I have been doing my work for the last 17 years and it's born out of my own experience. My own experience is I've been bereaved. My first husband passed away from cancer. I have been um, dumped and divorced. That was the second marriage. And I've got to tell you that second time round, going through a relationship ending was almost, as I said to my mother-in-law, I still call her my mother-in-law, was so much harder than the loss of my first husband. Because it comes with so many aspects, and you know, it depends obviously what happens in the relationship. The feeling of like you'll never be able to get over that pain. And working intensely with clients in the early years in my coaching practice, it was very much about bereavement and the loss that comes from um, and the pain uh, accompanying that loss. Uh, and then going through that heartbreak was phenomenal because I just really wasn't sure um, how I would manage. And then I just remembered that grief is the same whether someone dies or a relationship ends. The length of time it takes to transcend and transform um, is different. Bereavement takes a lot, a lot longer, but heartbreak following a very, very specific process, as I've outlined in the 28 steps, leads to profound transformation. And that's what I did in my own life. Shelley, you're inspiring to listen to because you've turned what sounds like extraordinary pain into something that is very powerful. And maybe it's part of the healing process is to acknowledge it, maybe face up to it. Outline to us, uh, uh, where does the 28 steps take us through? People listening in, would you say that it's not just for relationships that have broken down again? This could be a healing transformation for bereavement as well. You know, the process is the same that I would use for bereavement, slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um but the very first part is about getting grounded because this the sense of disorientation, everything feels so surreal. Waking up and coming into consciousness um, is profoundly disturbing because the reality hits that this person is not with us. The one thing I do want to mention, Jolene, mm-hmm. is that this can be used for any form of relationship ending. Mm-hmm. You know, relationships don't just end as in romantic relationships, close friendships, familial, um, you know, working relationships, business partnerships um, that can leave people feeling quite bereft. So part one, you know, I explain the grief stages, but especially 
in relation to the relationship that's ended. Mm-hmm. Um, before you move on to the second part, I've heard it before from someone who has been dumped before, somebody who has been as part, you know, lost a relationship um, and also somebody who's lost a loved one, um, not a partner, but a family member. They say that yes. a part of the grieving process when something comes to an end is also how it ended. What are your thoughts on that? It definitely, um, how it ended uh, has an impact uh, personally, and I'll put this into our space, I had a 44-year friendship that was ended by text. It left me reeling. This is a childhood friendship, and for bizarre reasons, it ended. I never saw it coming, and I have experienced every single kind of loss known to humankind in my life, and when this happened, it was like, wow, a text message ending a significant relationship. But then again, for me, it took two weeks of working through because I know my process. I'm also, when it comes to attachment styles, and if any of the listeners aren't aware of attachment styles, just Google it. We could be anxiously attached, securely attached, um, avoidantly attached. Uh, a disorganized attachment style. I am what I would say now, a securely attached person. So it didn't take long to get through that. Attachment styles also affect how we um, experience a breakup. So text message is one very one form. Mm-hmm. Another is, you know, face-to-face. Somebody tells you, um, I can't do this anymore. Or it could be you yourself, the listener, um has to end a relationship because you know you can't continue with it. Um, That's often easier because the one ending the relationship has been thinking and unhappy and unhappy and thinking for a long time. They don't just wake up on Tuesday morning and go, today's a good day to end my relationship. Um, So it's a lot easier to end a relationship But it can be just as devastating because perhaps it's something we wanted, but we can see that the outcome won't be good. Mm -hmm. If you're just tuning in now, I'm chatting to Shelley J. Whitehead, an award-winning relationship coach on their new book, Healing Your Heartbreak, 28 Days to Transformation. We touched on one part of the, uh, I suppose, list or the the steps in the 28 days. What are the other couple of steps, Shelley? Part two is about taking action. And it's very much about, you know, that first section we'll talk about is drawing boundaries, clarifying our boundaries, setting boundaries, um, and using boundaries and values to set standards. Um, Because we can weed out misalignments here, and we, we, we really amplify the healing process by doing this. What I'm getting from this, Shelley, is that it's not just about, um, I suppose, understanding the breakdown or the bereavement of the of the the heart, but it's also self awareness and educating yourself to maybe remember number one at the end of it when you say to ground, um, to t- set boundaries. You need to really know yourself before you can do that. Maybe to start the healing process. Would you agree? Uh, 100%. You're so insightful uh, because so many of us don't have this awareness. 
when we're going through a breakup. And perhaps um, we've never really been terribly introspective. The book helps us to gain a new awareness. And I always say to my clients, awareness is the key to all change. Because there's a very clear before, then there's awareness, and then there's an after. So by diving deeper into other areas, like boundaries, you know, after we understand what grieving really means, what's happening in our brain and body, then going through, you know, taking action, because healing is a verb. It's we, it's something we do. Mm-hmm. So in order to heal, we must be active. And this is part of it. And we understand ourselves so much better because by the time we get to the third part, which is called finding sunshine, um, I'm going to give the readers a little bit of a helpful formula I share with clients always because if they are going through a difficult time, you know, with Valentine's Day looming, following hot on the heels of January. Mm-hmm. And January is known for breakups and for endings. And for those who may be looking at like, I'm single again on Valentine's Day, where from their perspective, everybody is having a wonderful, loving day. Not, a lot of people aren't. Please remember that. Mm-hmm. Here's the formula. It's my four S's, S for snake. Um, The first one is space. We take space to assess what's happening. The second one is we implement structure. We need a daily structure. The third one, and this is also what we will find in part two, is support. Pulling in support to help us through. I call this our front row friends. It could be a professional um, or a really close family member. And the, the third part, which actually part three of my uh, fourth part, sorry, part three of my book is called Finding Sunshine. The fourth part is sunshine. I live in London. You're in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And we know our weather. So it's metaphorical. It's the little bit of something that lifts our state every single day, as long as it's morally and ethically legal, because a lot of people going through heartbreak will be tempted to self-medicate the pain. And I've seen all forms of self-medication, you know, from alcohol to illicit substances to shopping and even something seemingly harmless done to excess is Mm -hmm. a form of self-medicating. And can I ask, Shelley, when we're looking at your uh, Healing Your Heartbreak 28 Days to Transformation would you say it to somebody who maybe is listening in who is in a relationship that wants it to come to an end to take these things into account before they end the relationship? The space, implementing structure, support and that little bit of brightness and sunshine. Definitely. I was on a podcast about a month ago and someone said to me, you know, if you and your partner aren't getting on and it's been going on for some time, should you end the relationship? And I said, no, <laughs> um, it depends on what's happening, of course. Mm-hmm. Most of us have not been to relationship school. And it's quite incredible when somebody finds someone who's trained to work with couples and to facilitate connection, how much can change? Because we traditionally do not see and hear one another. Conflict is part of all relationships, but it's how we learn to navigate conflict and how we repair and reconnect conflict. 
those are the key issues. So, you know, for people in relationships, thinking of ending a relationship, you know, is it important to end the relationship? Why are you ending the relationship? Can something be done about the relationship? Implement the four S's. Support being perhaps find a professional who can help you to determine whether there is hope. And if there isn't, you can still implement the four S's for your own life. Shelley, you're an absolute joy to listen to. Your book is out now, Healing Your Heartbreak, 28 Days to Transformation. That's it's a little bit different coming into this Valentine's Day, but it's also something that a lot of us might have experience with and would appreciate. There's plenty there. Shelley, thank you so much for joining us and a happy Valentine's Day, whatever that looks like to you. Maybe it's self-love and taking yourself on a date. Thank you so much. The Sunday Grill on Beat. Now, turning our attention to something a little different this Sunday morning, Research has shown that more than one third of Irish adults have experienced fertility-related stigma or judgment. It's from new research with Sims IVF and I'm joined on the line now by Nolene Harper, Deputy Nurse Manager with Sims IVF. Nolene, you're very welcome along to the Sunday Grill this morning. Um, First of all, can you outline what is Sims IVF, the people who carried out this research? Thanks, Jolene, for having me, first of all. So Sims IVF is a fertility clinic in Ireland. We are open since 1997. Um, we have clinics in two clinics in Dublin, in Clonsky and Swords and a clinic in Cork. And we have satellite clinics in Dundalk and Carlow and also in Limerick. Um, so we would look after patients, uh, I suppose, wanting to come for investigations for fertility issues when they're not able to conceive. Thank you so much, Nolene. The research that you carried out, it says that more than one third of Irish adults, which is an extraordinary amount when you think about it, that more than one third have experienced fertility related stigma or judgment. Can you outline some of the research, uh, I suppose, highlights that you found and why you carried it out? Yeah, so we found, I suppose, a lot of our patients do talk to us about stigma or judgment that they have from family members, from their workplaces and um, even friends as well and anyone who they talk to about their fertility issues and it's, it's, it's insightful for us I guess to get more more data on that and see what is exactly happening out in society and um, so we found that in regards to stigma so stigma can include dealing with judgment from others humor or sarcasm directed towards um, people with fertility issues or unsolicited advice and um, what we found in particular is 26% of people have felt pressure from family, friends or society to have children. 16% have been subject to invasive questions about their reproductive plans. 15% have experienced humour or sarcasm directed to them if they haven't had children. 14% have received or witnessed someone else receiving unsolicited advice. Um, another huge thing was that 21% of people believed infertility was a woman's issue. and uh, we found that most of our patients actually, or most of the people who had experienced stigma were were women who came back to us, the respondents. It's an extraordinary, there's a lot of figures there. It's an extraordinary amount of people in the survey that said that it was an issue that they had seen. Was this a surprise to you from somebody who's been working in fertility and in IVF in the last few years? It, it is a bit of a surprise, I guess, because you would think that people are more open these days than they would have been about fertility issues. But clearly there is still stigma out there. I think part of it is to do with the fact that uh, traditionally in Ireland, 
reproductive health wouldn't have been talked about. And that's probably been carried down through the generations. Um, the other thing, I suppose, is that um, I suppose subconsciously we all feel that conceiving and having children is a very natural thing. Um, and when our bodies can't do that, we do feel feel shame. But still, I would have felt that that it was more openly talked about in society these days. But that said, I do know that patients who come to us, they often do talk about receiving unsolicited advice from friends and family that are just not helpful. Things such as, oh, if you were less stressed, you'd be able to have children. Just don't think about it so much. Things like that, that they they didn't ask for the advice. It, it doesn't help them. It only puts more mm. burden and stress on them. And um, and then the other big issue that we find with people is that they are finding it extremely hard to get off work and to tell mm-hmm. work that they're going for fertility treatment. Um, a lot of our patients wouldn't actually tell their workplace what it is that they need their, their time off for. From somebody who works in the industry, you say that about time off work. It's It's very invasive and it's a very unique experience for every person that goes through it. I do know people who have gone through it before and I suppose the stigma kind of lies in maybe people not understanding what people go through when it comes to a fertility struggle. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. So um, it's it's a lot to do with education, I guess. I think that there needs to be more education out there about like how many people I guess go through fertility issues is one in six couples in Ireland at the moment and also about the the emotional burden of it and the amount of time that um that women in particular need off to come for fertility treatments there's a lot of scans involved and a lot of procedures um and people are not aware of that workplaces aren't aware of that um interestingly in the study when we did ask about the measures needed to tackle stigma 51 percent of the 1000 people that we asked cited better education during primary secondary and third level education um, and then another 37 percent were in favor of increased support at work I think just raising awareness about how yeah. how commonplace infertility is would be very helpful, and and maybe some sort of education in terms of of um, of what I suppose emotional and financial and burden of time it is for people who are who are going through treatment too. For people who maybe aren't going through the IVF process but are still having fertility problems that they mm-hmm. are, are also acknowledged. I, from personal experience, know a, a particular family who have a child and they keep continuously being asked, when will you go again? And it's not for lack yes. of trying. That's what they've told me behind closed doors, that it's not for lack mm-hmm. of trying. And that's devastating to hear that it's not really anybody's business. Obviously, people are concerned and they care about it, but that the stigma mm-hmm. and the, I suppose, judgment around infertility, it's almost like you say, it's uneducated. People are trying to maybe come from a good place, but in, inevitably it's not. Yeah, and people are very well-meaning, I think, for the most part when they when they say things like that. Um, but in reality, it's not helpful, I suppose. It's something to be aware of that, like, they're, all of us will know someone, whether we know it or not, that's going through fertility struggles. And to be very conscious of that when you're talking to people and not to ask things like, oh, when are you going to have a little brother and sister or mm-hmm. when are you going to start your family? And you're this age now, are you thinking about it yet? All these things are very, very harmful because oftentimes behind closed doors, these people are already experiencing issues. And by you saying that to them, it's just making the burden worse and it's making their stress worse and, and, and adding to the shame and the stigma that they already feel.
it's probably making it heavier to deal with on a personal level, but also with your partner, that if you share that that struggle together, that it's going to be constant reminder together when you go home and you'll be able to say that conversation cropped up again. I don't want to see that. Maybe we should have a conversation. You say it's more about education. Is there some light from this research that you carried out with Sims IVF about fertility related stigma or judgment is there any light uh, I suppose around the taboo lifting that's an interesting question so I I think uh, what we want to do is that we want to get this research out there and we want to make people aware of the stigma that is out there and and just by even talking about it and talking about the fact that that people are so affected by this stigma and that it's such a commonplace thing to have an infertility issue and it's nothing to be ashamed of can really can really help to to kind of lift that and maybe maybe hopefully get people talking about fertility issues obviously it's completely up to the person whether they want to talk about it or not but if it can encourage some people to to say oh hey actually you know I've experienced this stigma I I've had whatever fertility issues whether it's that I couldn't conceive for a few months and then I did or I had to actually go to a fertility clinic and get fertility treatment I think even even that awareness can be very very helpful there's actually something very interesting going through the Oireachtas at the moment as well, just in terms of um, of work-related stigma. Um, there is reproductive health-related leave hoping to be approved um, that's going through the Oireachtas at the moment. So if this if this goes through, it'd be 10 days of leave that women do actually get for fertility uh, appointments and, and procedures. That's definitely some so, light that's coming down the line, hopefully, um, and maybe even more days into the future for people who continue that struggle. Uh, one of the things that mm-hmm. co- come from the research is that of the thousand people surveyed, uh, f- over half of those said that they had the I- fertility issues either themselves personally or through someone they've known they've experienced the stigma and it rose to 60% amongst younger adults between 25 and 34. Do you think that might be in relation to maybe people uh, thinking that the the social, the body clock is ticking, the older that they get, that that age cohort experienced it more because of that? It could be to do with that because I know when people are approaching um, kind of mid-30s, they are aware of that big looming 35 year old age coming ahead of them and they know that um, I suppose in their heads that that can be I suppose the first marker for a drop off in, in fertility in women so it might be to do with that but I was kind of a little bit in, I suppose encouraged that there was a a higher percentage of 60% in 25 to 34 year olds that had experience with fertility issues. I was kind of thinking maybe that's because younger people are talking about it a little bit more as well. And which would be a great thing, do you know, mm-hmm. that just that just gets rid of the stigma, the more people that talk about it. So hopefully that um, that 60% is is a sign of that, a sign that, that younger people are more comfortable talking about fertility issues. Yes, that as time goes on, the stigma lessens. Uh, Nolene, thank you so much for joining us to share that new research from Sims IVF. The Sims IVF are also based at uh, fertility clinics in Clonski, Swords and Cork and satellite clinics mm-hmm. in Carlow, Limerick and Dundalk. So if people want to find out more information, uh, Nolene, where can they go? So they can go on to our website, www.sims.ie. We also have social media as well on Instagram uh, that you can look up and find more information on that. Um, So, yeah, if anyone's interested in 
in finding out more about their fertility or just more general information, you can pop onto our website and book an appointment. The Sunday Grill on Beat. Now, a latest movie release called Argyle. I saw the trailer a couple of weeks ago and I stuck in my mind because there was a cat in a bag and it looked like there was a lot happening. Brian is in studio, our resident movie reviewer, to chat about Argyle. But before we have a listen to what he thought, let's take a quick listen. Whoa, hey, there's a cat in there. Oh my God, you're Ellie freaking Conway. Author of the Argyle series, Ellie Conway! I am such a fan. Oh yeah? What is it you do? Espionage. Would you sign my book? Here we go. I love this book. Come on. espionage there's a meow in the background sounds very intense and very entertaining Brian what did you think of it? Well first of all I just love the fact of there's so many famous people in this movie there's so much craziness and you're like there's a cat in a bag in it and you're right there's definitely there is a cat in a bag it's just because when you said Argyle last week that this is what we'd be reviewing the name didn't stick out for me I have to say but I remember I I had a look at it then and I was like oh that's the movie the cat in the bag oh cat in the bag movie obviously obviously so tell us what is Argyle and who stars in it so Argyle is basically a spy movie it's kind of like a James Bond-ish type vibe to it right It, it feels very so there's there's this woman uh, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, Ellie Conway, and she's an author and she writes about spy novels. And essentially it turns out that the novels that she's writing are of missions that have actually happened. So she like, they're, where did she find this out? How does she know? And like, what happens next? Because like, they need to work towards like this is what's happening in the spy world so they need to figure it out okay so like, is she like is she predicting it or has she lived it before is she writing it is that as she goes along is that kind of the feel of it yeah it's kind of like how does she know what's happening here <laughs> okay and so then she gets on a train to go to her mother's house her mother's played by Catherine O'Hara and then she gets on a train she's approached by this random weird man played by Sam Rockwell like every five minutes for the first like half an hour there's like that's an insanely famous person that I really like. You're so, just like, a, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know that person. I know that person. Yeah. So what did you think of it? I I enjoyed it. It was silly. Like All of Us Strangers last week was very intelligent, very dramatic, <laughs> very emotional. This is the complete opposite. And I feel the complete opposite. It's like it was silly. It was stupid. The special effects sometimes weren't great. Yeah, like some of the dialogue. Over the top. Over the top. Like so obvious. You know what's going to happen things just pop out of nowhere and make no sense to the story and I loved it. Very I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I went with my friends and like it was one of those things where we just had a good, we just all had a good time. <laughs> do you know, it's like, it's not a case of we weren't moved to tears but we all came out and we were like, do you know what, that was good. I'm glad I went to see you that. You look so happy when you're talking about it, Brian. Yeah, it's just, when people make fun <laughs> movies, I just like to go see them, do you know? And it's it's made so, it's written and directed by Matthew Vaughan who did the Kingsman movies. It's a fun movie. It's a completely, just turn your brain off uh, the what you think is going to happen is probably going to happen. Like the the action is seems like a Pierce Brosnan type James Bond movie. Do you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's like just 
silly. I felt that way with Uncharted. Is that kind of it's like the blockbuster over the top? Well, yeah, Unchar- Uncharted has that kind of vibe, but it's kind of if it still kind of grounds itself in reality. So where do we go from here? Does it look like there's going to be a sequel? Is it a once-off? What do you think of the future of it? Is it a standalone? So, okay. So this is where... Without spoilers, please. Well, it's it's a case I had to Google what what at the end of it. So basically, this is the fourth movie in a a possible franchise. And the the, the mid-credit scene is showing off what the first one will be. Okay, so I love that. if it happens, it happens. I think it, it might, honestly. With the cast that's in this, like Henry Cavill, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Rockwell, like Ariana DeBose. Like it's, like, it's just fun. And you can tell that they definitely were on set having a great time. It's silly. It's just fun. Uh, Julie was in it as well. John Cena appears in it. And like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just fun cinema thing. Like it's never going to be all-time top movies. Brian, I'm delighted. Well, I had a fun I think this time. is the happiest we've ever spoke about a movie. So that's Argyle. It's in cinemas now. And it's a 10 out of 10 or a 5 out of 5 by Brian. No, I would, I would give it like... I'll give it like an eight. Okay, don't give it all away. Well, no, it's a case of... It's a it's a fun movie that I really enjoy, but it's not like... It's a, it's a, it's an eight. That's a happy eight. It's not like a... It's fantastic, but I didn't really <laughs> enjoy it. I'd probably still give it an eight. It's would you like, go back and watch it again? It's kind of a movie that is like, oh, this is on, comes onto Netflix. And you're like, oh, do you know, that's fun. <laughs> I didn't mean to watch we'll put this. Put that on, yeah. Like you get a takeaway and your friends are over your house. Like, oh, I'll throw that on. Do you know? So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, you would watch it again. Very good. Brian, yeah. thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday and happy Valentine's Day this week. Ha- oh, oh, my God. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> the Sunday Grill on Beat. After four seasons and four and a bit seasons, it's finally here. If you didn't know, Daily Dilemma Uncensored podcast is coming to the South East live. And with me in studio is Niall and Sean and Killian from Beat Breakfast to tell me more. Thanks so much for coming in this Sunday morning. Aww, thanks. We're in here every day. Yeah, we just we love just it. Yeah, 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 now at this yeah. stage. <laughs> so tell me, guys, what is, for people who don't know, Daily Dilemma Uncensored podcast? Okay, so the uncensored version is was born out of the idea that obviously every day on Beat Breakfast we delve into people's stories and lives on Daily Dilemma but we wanted to I suppose open it up there's certain conversations that we can't have on the main show so we decided look let's make this a little bit saucy uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's well, I don't know what what, what, what word would you well, well, use. It wouldn't even be saucy, but we do get dilemmas in surprise. Explicit, maybe. Yeah, yes. we can't yeah. do like when kids are in the car. Yeah. Like, and we're like, we'd love to read these out uh-huh. and get people's opinions on. And I guess when we started, we didn't really know. Look, is this something? Is there an appetite for this? Do people want to hear? This kind of talk turns out. My they God, do. they do. <laughs> they, they follow me around car parks to talk about. Oh, daily yeah. like we were we were leaving a car park one day um, after doing a show, and this woman just came up to us. Shit, I've listened to every single episode. I live for Fridays. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and it is the one thing that when we're on a night out, people come up and, mm. what about that episode now? Now, obviously, I can't say anything here yeah, because yeah, yeah. I can't mention any yeah, of them. We're going to mass show, be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's gotten people talking. And I suppose what, what's really taken us by surprise is the fact that a lot of couples seem to enjoy listening to it together. Mm, I think they're getting a few tips. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm on the breakfast show a long time. And it used to be the case when I was on a night out that people would want to come up and talk about something that happened on the show. Not anymore. People yeah. want to come up and say, hey, that podcast, that episode, such and such, I really disagree or I really agree. So it's really interesting to see how it's captured the imagination. Oh, that's it. People are filthy. 
it's they're, they're filthy but also the Daily Dilemma is a pillar of beat like if you know yeah. if you listen to it at all you listen to it one of the first things I was like guys are they actually real people have the craziest yeah. dilemmas yeah. and yeah. you're inundated with them mm-hmm. that's why it's so popular yeah. Yeah. but it's not just that it's also the listeners reaction like yeah. when they're listening in they're kind of the crooks you don't know what they're going to control a spanner into the works yeah, absolutely yeah. Oh, yeah. totally like, and, and that's the beauty that's actually a good good way of leading into the mm-hmm. uh, live podcast because we love doing Daily Dilemma Uncensored and we have great crack and we bring guests in from you know presenters and all the rest but what it probably is missing is a little bit of that listener interaction the the regular interaction and so that's what the live show will allow us to do to really bring in uh, regular people uh, some experts and just get us all talking about some of these topics and I think what's going to be brilliant on the night is the fact that a huge chunk of the people there love 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 the podcast <laughs> and are dying to see us in action like I'm, I haven't thought about that Super bit. Fans. I haven't thought about the fact that we're going to be talking about <clears throat> and <clears throat> and <clears throat> and then there's going to be people looking at us you know like I haven't really like Process got my head this. around that because yeah. I think when we're in here recording an episode I go like Jolene I'm different like <laughs> yeah well particularly we record late in the week when you're deliriously tired and she could say anything, anything. Yeah. <laughs> of course we are you. now just the puppets in all of this we yeah. are just to- get up on stage and do what we told we're told to do because the main man here now is Killian Killian uh, Whole show how could together. we forget and not just putting the whole show together performing as well on the yeah. night that sounds rude at a sex podcast but <laughs> <laughs> no it's different a lot of type. fun I suppose it's a challenge as well mm. because obviously podcasts they're growing so much and the thing is now like left right and centre you're seeing so and so is doing a live podcast so and so is doing a live podcast yeah. and we kind of pitched the idea and we're like will it work and I tell you I was absolutely bricking it when tickets went live I was like no one's going to get tickets <laughs> No one's. in an hour they sold out so the, like the response was there. unbelievable. Mm. It's absolutely unreal. And just following on from your point, I had a message from a person who was all like, hey, just got my tickets. I'm so excited. I hope they won't be nervous and I hope they won't <gasps> hold back because we're Not in the room all. talking no. about stuff. No. And I was all like, you never know what can no, come I'm out. I'm just going to show a glass of Prosecco beforehand. <laughs> we should be cushy. <laughs> yeah. No, I think the reason that it's worked is because we are able to be honest yeah. about it and I think it's it's really nice to be able to have a conversation about things that I suppose wasn't always possible you mm-hmm. know so we're I, I kind of feel like do you know what we're breaking down barriers a little bit and, having, bar- and like, helping people yeah, as well yeah I think so like there was one girl that we met in Kilkenny I think it was last year and like I solved a very uh, now good I'm still not sure it was the same girl we're talking about we were out in Langton's late one night um, <laughs> I did and D- Dean was with us at the time who was still working on the show and um, this girl came up and she'd had an issue with her boyfriend he had got a, a, a tooth out I think it was yeah. And um, he was in a lot of pain and he hadn't contacted her for like 36 hours or something. Now, I can put myself in the, in the position of somebody who's in a lot of pain. Killian, you certainly can. Yeah, You've I had can. it lately yeah. and you wouldn't necessarily be thinking straight. Show leapt into action. He ain't talking to you. He ain't worth keeping. <laughs> let's, let's delete his number right now. So the poor guy has no tooth, is in pain and now has no girlfriend. I'm sorry, there's a couple of bits omitted from that because it was a little bit uncensored. So we're not getting the full story there. Basically, I took control and I said, look, this is what you want to do. She's like, thank you. I would never have had the guts to do that myself. Look, I'm sorry to that fella if he if he did lose out. But look, you know, I, I don't see a tooth as an excuse. But anyway. He yeah. can still yeah. pick up the phone and... 
You know, yeah, yeah, have exactly. a bit of dope. Oh, well, <laughs> sorry yeah. for you. Yeah, that was grand. But look, we're, we're so excited. Um, seven o'clock, um, doors are opening in Bank Lane. It's also on, in, on, on Wednesday, so it's yeah, February Valentine's 14th. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And wanted to mention, because as Niall said, Killian is, uh, yeah, he's he's put it all together, but he is, uh, we have a house band, and it's Killian's band who are trademark. It's who yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. People can look forward yeah, to yeah. yeah, so we're kicking off at half past seven. We'll play a couple of tunes. Then at eight o'clock, show is starting. We have a. Um, a drag queen from Waterford from the South East then we'll have Nile and Show of course and then we have Ooh. listener Jack from Beat Breakfast yes. going to join us on the panel um, our very own Jack McGrath um, that's performing is going to join us on the panel and we have sex expert and Irish independent columnist um, Dr Caroline West so like it's grand that we can have the crack and talk about this thing yeah. but it is nice to get a professional opinion behind all these topics absolutely mm. and we also have a couple of rounds of how do I say this um, raunchy sexy beat the bomb yeah. sexy oh, beat yeah. the bomb oh my yeah. God. With some uh, interesting prizes. Up yeah, for go grabs. on, describe one. Well, I can't really uh, this hour of the morning, but let's just say they were taken out in the boardroom in front of senior <laughs> members of the management team, and I had to do quite a bit of explaining as to what these items were. You know, Jolene, Niall knew every single one of them. Of course, he did. He did. Really, Dilemma Uncensored's been going on a while now, Jolene. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, and I'm still learning. <laughs> just to say thanks as well to Lace and Tassels and to Play Blue for um, giving us some swap prizes on the night. Absolutely. As well. So, yeah, so new season is out now as well. Yep. So, if you yeah. want to get a full rundown of what's going to happen this Wednesday, if you are coming along, um, wherever you get your podcast, just type in Daily Dilemma Uncensored. Can people say, still submit their dilemmas? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where can they do yeah, it? It's always an open call, whether it's for the regular. Beat breakfast slot or whether it's for uncensored um, the email address talk at beat 102103.com we love receiving them we love reading them and we love um, trying to tackle them each just yeah, mark them uncensored yeah, mark, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even the first one that, we, that we've kicked off this season with is a really interesting conversation so um, yeah it's, it's definitely worth a little listen will there be another one lined up do you think We'll Who see knows? how this one Can goes. Can people listen this is, back? Uh, this is a kind of learning experience. What we will be doing is we will be chopping up the night into um, some audio that will be appearing on Daily Lemon Uncensored on the podcast this season in season five. Yeah, so if you didn't make it, you can hear what happened. Plenty to look for. All to. about the manifestation, Jolene. And this was something that we oh. put out there last year and now we are in doing it live on Wednesday so absolutely yes there will be another one it will be bigger yeah, and well, yeah. Yeah. I think she's manifesting in the Wexford Opera House the Opera House oh, yeah. I'll be there one. I think it's 800 that it <laughs> seems so yeah let's put that out there yeah, I guarantee house. you could fill the house yes now thank show you, killing your back on Beat Breakfast tomorrow Bar- best of yeah. luck on Wednesday thank you. thank you so much for coming in The Sunday Grill with Orla Rappel on Beat 102 103 Now, whether you're out and about this Sunday and looking forward to going home and sitting on the couch and binge watching something or you're looking to look forward to something during the week, I have Donal on the line to go through our TV tips, resident TV panellist. Donal, you're very welcome to the Sunday Grill. It's the first time chatting to you and we're going to uh, rabbit (laughs) rabbit on, I'd say. Um, Donal, how are you uh, with the new show One Day on Netflix? This is something that is new in the last couple of weeks am I right yeah I just started, it just um, it just uh, dropped from last Thursday Jolene um, it's uh, listen first off I know I think I believe you read the book and you've seen the Anne Hathaway screen indeed. adaptation um, I haven't seen the screen adaptation okay. I read the book way back when it came out in 2009 uh, just for the for the read for the listeners um, this book came out in 2009 it was basically the story of a couple in who meet in college for the first time at Edinburgh in I think 1988 and, and, and it's on St. Day, the 15th of July and for the next 20 years or so they meet again on the same day and they're, they're friends but you know would be lovers something. but 
this this TV drama, which is which is on Netflix, is uh, it's, I think it's just a triumph. I think it's fantastic. It's, it's just perfect. I mean, it's a great sitcom. If you loved, I don't know if you love, if you love the book, if you like the book, but if you did, you would be just. It brings back the the magic of the book, and oh, just the magic of basically being young and in love, and the possibility and promise of that. And it's played the two leads. Um, Ambika Mode or Mod maybe and Leo Woodhall Woodall I should say are just terrific they're absolutely terrific they're I mean it all rests on those two actually if, if they don't work the series doesn't work and they're just amazing actually as uh, as Dexter and Emma yeah Dexter's like from this posh uh, posh big house in the Cotswolds I don't know that's not even a Cotswolds accent and then <laughs> Emma is from working class Leeds and uh, they're like chalk and cheese but uh, they just click you know in a way but they don't click click um, and they meet on one night in, in college in Edinburgh and then over the next this kind of um, unconsummated love but like that and then they keep meeting again over the next they've arranged to meet every Saint Swithin's Day for the next 20 years and it really I just found it you mentioned the music and the sound tracks and stuff but like the music is just brilliant it takes you right back to that period I'm of that vintage Jolene should say by the way I'm actually of that all. vintage roughly speaking I wouldn't believe and, it for uh, a second it, it's like the opening episode which is about is the longest thing episode but it's, it's the guts of an hour it really takes you back to that moment just I suppose a moment is universal the moment of sort of first love or the love that really kind of hits you and that hits you right there you know it gets and you in that, the, in that the feels so every time Donald we're going to take you a, right exactly where it should hit you we're going to take a quick listen of the trailer for one day on Netflix you have all these people telling you how great you are you know, smart and funny talented Oi. I've been telling you for years so why don't you believe it Still mates with Dexter. He's doing all right for himself. Pizza Express would have been fine. After we met, I had a bit of a crush on you. So what happened to it? It's crush. And like you said, Donald, the music is sensational for you. You can already kind of feel the, the warmth that's coming from this story. It's a feel good. It's over the span of almost 20 years of a relationship between two people on one particular date each year. You're not finished it so far. Have you still got a couple of episodes I'm left nearly, to go? I, I, I'm about halfway through. It's actually, you mentioned binging there just a while ago, <laughs> Jolene. It's a perfect binge. And it's a perfect binge, binge for Valentine's Day. I mean, if you watch one single thing this Valentine's, don't watch Love Actually. Don't watch whatever. Uh, Watch this. This is, I mean, listen, a lot of people probably have watched it already. There's been a few <laughs> negative notes. Like I think someone described it as as shallow as a as, as a puddle or as shallow as a night of speed dating. Come on, guys. This is a love story. Where's your heart? This is, <laughs> it's, listen, I'll, I, I'll tell you, the two leads, I mean, Leo Woodall is already kind of very well known from... Um, the White Lotus, but Ampika Mode, she's going to become a star after this. It kind of reminds me away of normal people um, mm-hmm. and the two leads in that, you know, kind of in a way. It has that, it has that, it has that potential. And I just found it amazing. And I found the soundtrack amazing. And it just took me away to another world. Took me right back into my past. It's fantastic <laughs> to see it getting a new lease of life. Like you said, we've seen it as a movie already. I think it was nearly, it was more than 10 years ago I saw it. And then I did the reverse and then I read the book and it made me fall in love with the story even more. So when I saw it was coming back, I was like, surely this has been done, but it's in a whole different light. And the Netflix series will split up. Obviously, there's multiple episodes. How many episodes can people look forward to, Donald? I think actually I'm at episode six. I think there's ten or eleven, okay. and it ends up it ends up back in Edinburgh. I mean, it takes it back to Edinburgh about like in 2007, I think is so. Basically, starts in '88, takes it back to 2007 after mm-hmm. 20 years of, of meetups. Um, yes, apparently, and I haven't got to the end yet, but you will be a puddle at the end, a puddle of emotional, <laughs> <laughs> an emotional mess, but in a in a good way. <laughs> it will leave a stamp on your heart for sure. Donald, next up then, exactly. so we can binge that on Netflix from now. Uh, the next one you are reviewing for. 
TV tips is Alice and Jack. Tell us about that. It's it's it, it's a six part drama and it's got quite a strong Irish uh, connection insofar as Don Gleeson's in it. Don Gleeson and Andrea Riseborough. Ashley B's in there as well. And it's a story of two people, two people, two man, man and woman, who find themselves drawn together by powerful attraction. Sounds a lot like uh, One Day. Anyway, <laughs> uh, um, but but um, th- there is the connection that will never break. As soon as it's clear that the life together is going to be marred by uncertainty and emotional complexities. And then what follows is a 16-year relationship that shifts between the powerful highs and the heartbreaking lows and actually does sound like one day doesn't it it does uh, very much so. but um, it's got a brilliant cast I mean I, I, the cast are just like well Don Gleeson I think he's just a good, a good actor and Andrea Riseborough as, as well actually it's funny because um, Don Gleeson said after uh, since since pandemic he said the only work, work that he wanted to watch and do since then is, is work about connections and love and that and Alice and Jack kept coming back to each other because they can't help themselves They're basically over that 16 years the two of them can't can't stop that irresistible attraction to each other. And Gleason, who wants to make these kind of stories ever since the pandemic, is, is apparently phenomenal in this as well. Glover, and where can people see that, Donald? Where and when? That's on Channel 4 on Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Okay, so that's Alice and Jack. We're going to move on to another one that's starting this week. Bring the drama. Bring the drama is right. <laughs> Actually, it's the same time exactly at 9 o'clock on Wednesday also which is happens to be, just happens to be Valentine's Day, so really good timing by Channel 4 there with Alice and Jack. Um, yeah, Bring the Dramas on, at 9pm on BBC2 on Wednesday night. Um, this sounds really, really intriguing. Uh, basically presented by the great Bill Bailey, comedian, writer, mm-hmm. raconteur, lots of things, basically. And he presents a show in which eight aspiring actors, it's a reality show, Jolene, okay. eight <laughs> aspiring actors are, show, are shown the ropes by casting director Kelly Valentine, hmm, interesting. Kelly Valentine Hendry and an assortment of uh, stars from the very shows. Well, the opening night on Wednesday night, they're on the set of Eastenders. I don't know if you're an Eastenders fan. And there's a mentor there who wants to see <laughs> real emotion on camera as they recreate one of the greatest scenes as Sonia Fowler from Eastenders. <laughs> I remember one time many moons ago, I was on the set of Ross and Rune and I got. Um, I got roped in as an extra at the back. Stop. At the, at the back of the, you know, no, but a lot, I think a lot of journalists have been roped in. But and then, it's, you don't realize how hard it's like just to say, pretend you're saying nothing to somebody, which is very difficult. It's a real gift. Like, oh, the camera's on me now, but I better pretend. <laughs> yeah, it's a gift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So tell us, so this, it, thing, this in, could be fun. In Bring the Drama, then, are the people involved, do they have any acting background? Are they members of the public? Who are they? No, I think there would be actors who, sorry, there'd be people who would, have an, who would be aspiring to be actors. All okay. Uh, and are probably there. I wouldn't say trading actors, but aspiring actors. Uh, so therefore, that's what that's where they see their life, their life and their career. So yeah, they're going to give it a lash, basically. And um, I imagine Bill Bailey as as the as as the guide or the host will be kind of will be quip, make a few quips as well along the way. Yeah, Bill Could Bailey really is the hook there. Um, that'll definitely be funny for sure. So that's at nine o'clock on BBC Two. That's bring the drama. And finally, we have another one that is starting. Tomorrow night, uh, it's a quick mention on the Andrew Trimble series, or is it a once-off? Donald, tell us all about it's, it. It's a, it's, it's a one, it's a one-off documentary. Yeah, it's called Andrew Trimble for Ulster and Ireland, and it's at nine thirty-five PM tomorrow night on RT One. Now I've seen this because I've spoken to Andrew Trimble recently about this documentary, and I, I watched it actually before talking with Andrew. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andrew Trimble used to be, for people who don't know, used to be um, is a former Irish international rugby player, very good rugby player. And please play for Ulster as well. And more recently, a, a very successful business person. But he, his story, basically, the story is st- one, one hour documentary is basically the future of, well, Ireland and Northern Ireland and will there be United Ireland? And it all kind of came in a way from Andrew Trimble's appearance on um, Claire Byrne Live, the TV show, a couple of years back, where he spoke about United, United Ireland. And I thought, oh, God, this program will be a bit of a, 
could be a bit of a heavy dude, but actually, Trimble actually is a surprisingly good, um, a surprisingly good presenter and host. And he goes around Northern Ireland and meets various people on both sides of the divide and just poses the question about what it means to be Irish, what it means to be Northern Irish, what about the future? And I suppose in these these days as well, Jolie, very relevant. And basically, what he's doing is starting a conversation about a, a conversation that a lot of people don't really want to have. Like, will there be? Will they, in some stage mm-hmm. of the future, be united Ireland? And what would it mean for both sides of the of the communities, the nationalists or the unionists, and what what it means? And also about his own personal story, where he stands as well, and how he considers it. Because I asked him, how did he feel growing up in Coleraine, which would have been mainly Protestant and and, and and unionist? But he said, for him, his dad was basically mad into rugby, so he became into rugby. So rugby became the thing for him, and he played for Ireland. And when he played for Ireland. Well, it's, there's no such thing as Northern Ireland or Ireland. It's, you just play for Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know this, but the one thing I did learn when I, was, when I was speaking with him, that back in the day when the games, rugby games were played in Northern Ireland, when Ireland played Northern Ireland, the national anthem that was played before the game for Ireland was God Save the Queen. Uh, I didn't know that, but anyway, that's that's thing. So it's a complex story, but very actually quite very watchable, Jolene. It, you might be going, "Oh my God, not this sounds boring," but actually, I found it quite quite interesting and no, quite uh, revealing and quite informative. Like- like you say, there's a lot of things in there that you probably didn't know about and it's fascinating to learn about, especially at the time that we're in mm. now when we're all sitting down to watch the Six Nations. This is perfect Monday night viewing and it's on at 9.35 tomorrow night on RTE1. That's Andrew Trimble for Ulster and Ireland. Donald O'Donoghue, thank you so much for the recommendations. Talk us through them once again. It's one day uh, series on Netflix. Alice and Jack on Channel 4 from next Wednesday at 9. We also had Bring the Drama on nine at 9 o'clock on BBC2 also this Wednesday. Donald, thank you so much for joining us and looking forward to chatting to you again next week. Thanks, Jolene. And happy Valentine's Day in advance. <laughs> in and don't advance. forget, one day, one day. <laughs> I'll make sure to watch it on Wednesday in your honour, Donald. <laughs> the Sunday Grill with Orla Rappel on Beat.